0: Listener production. Welcome back, legends, to episode 12 of the Howie Games Artist Series Part B featuring the entertaining one, Glenn Robbins. On we go. So with The Comedy Company and Uncle Arthur, which I didn't know was based on your father, it it was back in a different time um, where... It was two, seven, nine, or ten. That's all you could watch. Yeah, that's right. And the comedy company for me as a young fellow was must watch. Yeah. Um, and Uncle Arthur was the segment you couldn't miss. Oh, that's because good. Because yeah. it's not like now you could catch up with it on the phone the next day. Yeah. If you didn't yeah. see it, unless you hit the VHS record, which yeah. you'd probably record the wrong channel, <laughs> you, d- you didn't get to see yeah. Uncle Arthur. So w- when did you know that you had... So people got to understand that a younger generation, there's only four options. So if you're dominating one of those options, all of a sudden you are a big deal. When did you understand that Uncle Arthur had this enormous come through? I was watching it again last night when he was going to the Melbourne Cup.
1: Oh, it's your Uncle Arthur, isn't it? I don't have a guess where I am. That's right, the Melbourne Cup. And the man saying, where's your ticket? There it is, no worries at all. In you go, he's saying, and have a wonderful day.
0: And he was meant to show his ticket on the way, and he showed his <laughs> Medicare, Medicare card, card or whatever. <laughs> and yeah. Glenn, I was pissing myself. Yeah. And I don't know how long that's been around, but geez, it made me laugh. Yeah,
1: I mean, it was it was it was a beautiful character who who just was a little bit more forthright than he probably should have been. When do you realise? When do I? Yeah, good question. How
0: big he is, and how does that change? Well, we
1: didn't because we were we did thirty two hours of comedy in the first year. Yep. So you would eat. You would you would drive out to Nana Wadding, which is a long drive. Yep. You would eat from the crappy cafeteria, and and <laughs> basically, if you weren't ri- performing, you were writing. If you weren't writing, you are out on location doing. And we and so we worked. Inc- it's the t- hardest I've ever worked. Um. Uh. And the first year, I think, I think we we, we started on a Thursday night at eight thirty. We were trying to be a bit more uh, topical, yep. uh, and it didn't quite click. And they decided to put it on um on Sunday night, they, we're going to put you Sunday night at 7 thirty. which Enormous a, time slot Oh it's, before the movie yeah before it, the eight movie. It, yeah it's it still is a Sunday is. Monday is still huge in television well um, um so they put us on Sunday night, and the tone then changed to being more because it was earlier in the night. they changed the tone to being more family orientated and and we just we got I think we got ten. And then we got to 20, then we got to 30 episodes, and then we did 32 episodes. But the answer to your question is we didn't know, because back in those days you couldn't click on it. It was just nothing. It was just ratings. Yes. Um, so we didn't know. It did strike me one day when I was out and about, we were looking for a location. So I went on the long drive somewhere. We had to find the location. And I pulled up and I'm walking around trying to find where we're shooting. And I walked up and I said to um this guy, excuse me, mate, wh- where's the so-and-so location? And he went, oh, no worries, Glenn. And I went, hang on. Huh. I don't know where I am. How do you know who I am? Huh. It didn't, it wasn't in my head that someone would randomly would know my name. On the and, back of Uncle Arthur in the Comedy car. Well, yeah. It was a great physical character. They used to, like, when I was at the, I was at the, um, uh, uh, to the race course. racecourse, Flemington. Flemington. We were, They. They said, "Oh, what, what happened?" We were. We were. We were in. we were on the track. Yeah. Um, we're doing the scene where he runs because Uncle Arthur goes to cross the track, <laughs> realizes he's in front of the Melbourne Cup, turns and then runs and wins the Melbourne Cup. Oh, look out! On here comes the they're coming down that track. They're saying, "Look out, Uncle Arthur! Look out, Uncle Arthur! You'll get skipped if
0: you don't watch out." So one running all the way down the track. The crowd saying,
1: "Come on, Uncle Arthur! Come on, Uncle Arthur!" It's a, it's a good joke. <laughs> a good joke. good joke. So anyway, we're there, we're at the finish line <laughs> and um I I turn around and I look at the crowd and I go geez look at that look at that crowd and then they just they roar. I it's like this how many people would there be 50,000? No, 100,000. 100, 100, yeah. They just roar and I go I said to my security guard, I said what are they roaring at? He goes you. <laughs> and I went and he goes don't get too excited. Because we're going to go through there in a minute, and that's the public area, and they're full on in there. They're going to be, they're going to be off that their faces. have about a few, and they're going to, they're going to. So, like Elvis, they put a <laughs> towel over my head. I swear. <laughs> that's how big Uncle Arthur was. Yeah, I put a towel over my head, and I had six security guards try to get me through really? the crowd. Oh, yeah. And they were just throwing themselves, they were batting them off, you know, and it was <laughs> just like it's just it's me dressed up as an old man that's settled <laughs> out, everybody. They took me into the, uh, the, the, into the jockey's room and basically um, we would go into a room and, and they'd say, can you think of a joke in here? Can you do something in here? And I go, and they go, okay, put the camera up, roll camera. And I went over and thought, well, I'll jump on, on the scales and do something funny with the scales and then I'll jump up and down on them because that looks funny. I broke the scales on, Mel- on Melbourne Cup Day <laughs> just before Melbourne Cup. So...
0: So an overweight jockey could have won there. What yeah, year wow,
1: is it? That would have been... I reckon that was 89. So if you go back, I reckon there needs to be some sort of investigation of Melbourne Cup in 1989 because the scales weren't right because <laughs> right, I broke them. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, and, <laughs> uh, so then... You mentioned the panel, which was also, I was talking to my wife, Erica, and I said, oh, I used to watch the panel a bit. She said, oh, every week. Why did the panel work? It seemed so unscripted and unrehearsed. And you spoke earlier on about the fact that you try not to talk. And do you think it
1: could still work? I, I think it's the wisdom of people like Rob and Tom Gleisner and Santo, where there was a a belief. Now, I don't want to say we were the first, but you got a group of people who are sketch performers going onto a panel show A network goes, cause I remember when we first started, Rob came to me, we played golf one day and he goes, I want to do a show. He goes, you know, when you're on, um, on a telephone, and they're in between the, the, the donations, yeah. you have a bit of a chat. Yes. And he goes, I want to do a TV show like that. That was and, the concept. Uh, that was it. And he goes, and we just talk about the week. And I went, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And he goes, do you want to do it? And I went, no, 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 no. It took like a lot of meetings, as I said before, for me to trust to be able to do that show. Um, it worked because it held its line and it was authentic and we were real friends. I think, I don't want to get drilled down on this too much, but sometimes a network will go, we want to do a show like, like a panel, and they just select people and pop them on and just come what may. Whereas when you do it with people who are genuinely connect, connected, like you are with your with your panels that you do, yep. um, it's authentic in its opinion and its and its comedy. So when it's and it's not competitive. When I would take a risk on that show, I knew that everyone had my back, and I knew if I fell over, they'd pick me up. Whereas. Some panels, they become competitive, yes. it becomes a show-off fest.
0: Which you can pick pretty early. Yeah, you, you
1: go, you're not, this is not authentic. There's not that safety uh, that you were talking about yeah, earlier on. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, Rob and I would go in the car park and we'd just go, how good is this? But you actually knew that that if, and that's what gave you the trust to go on small little questions that you wouldn't – because it was always like you've got to be funny and you've got to be really insightful. You go, well, yeah, but I've always wondered – I remember one time – I asked a golfer what he actually carried in his bag, and it was just like no one's ever asked me that before. And, I, what, what do, you know, and we went through it, and it was really interesting. Well, you're asking Warnie
0: about his celebration, it's yeah? Like last night, yeah. About, Did you plan to stick your finger in? The well, air? yeah, that's
1: an interesting one. Do you get, do you sit in your bedroom the yeah. night before going when I do a seven hundred? Will I punch the air? Will I, you know? <laughs> when you take a wicket, do you decide how you're going to react? is you practice? Uh, there's a move you do which I love, which is the. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Did you decide? Yeah, did that cool. just just happen on the day? Mm. <laughs> Or did you think you know today I might go you know Whoa
0: because <laughs> 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 you can use those if you I'd be great if you like
1: I know, I know anyway uh, um, so I think that's why it worked um, and it, the show was everything and it was it was live television
0: yes so it was no pre-record so that was it no it was absolutely and that's, that's what right. made it So there's no editing no cut down no nothing no, that was it nothing it was live to air which made it really exciting was there a guest that came onto that
1: show. And you just thought, wow, such and such is sitting here with us. Yeah, Shane. Well, that was the first time we met Shane.
0: That was the first time you met Shane? Yeah, yeah. Was yeah,
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. To sit next to Shane Warne. It was just like, oh, my God. So of all the internationals you've had on that guest,
0: your mind goes to warning Yeah, it does, yeah. Shows the magnetism of the man. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the Green Guide. I'll ask you at some stage down the track about when it works, but when you're working in the comedy space, which I would imagine is rare for you, and you've been criticised or someone hasn't laughed, how do you
1: process criticism? Yeah, that's a really good question. These days it's really dangerous, I think, to to dip into that whole uh, online world because oh, it's, it's so dangerous because I, in the short term, will only go to people that I know and trust and care about and... I'll tr- and my my worst critic is myself which is which is unfair but I have to watch my own reaction to things because I will I can tend to be overly harsh and not see the the on yourself yeah I, absolutely I've got to be careful of that um, uh, but I so and with criticism I will read it down the track but at the time I go I think I know the right people and I think I know where it's it's, it's faulting, so I'll stick to that, and then down the track I will read that. Criticism is a funny thing because now you can throw a stone pretty easily. So um, easily. Yeah. Um, but good criticism is a great thing because you go, that's a really good review because you actually highlighted something that I didn't see and I didn't realise, and that's the message you're getting. I've, I've got to rejig it a little bit. But it's so it's so hard. And, once, and I sort of made a thing where I'm, I'm not – I'm not going to, if I don't read the bad ones, I, I'm not allowed to read the good ones. So I don't read anything, but I will read them in time. But I really, like, like the other day I had to do something where I had to get a photograph of Uncle Arthur. So I had to bring up a shot of Uncle Arthur because I didn't have one on file. So I went into that world and then you start reading comments and I went, stop, because this is not helping me in any way. So I, I am at the shallow end of the pool when it comes to participation in social media. I don't, I'm not on Facebook. Uh, I, I have Instagram, but I only look at it, so I don't have a presence on it, and that's it. So uh, is that through fear, probably? Is it smart? A little bit smart, I would I would say. Um, and it's not like, as I said, I, I only look up the good ones, but I try not to. It means the world to me to have a friend say, I heard you on Howie's <laughs> podcast or, or whatever, and they say, I really enjoyed it. Um that means the world to me. Or to have get a text from a from a mate like Pang or um you know Rob Sitch or something, it just makes you feel mm. feel great. So that's kind of uh, my world is small in that regard, but I think that's a smart move. Mm. This is a uh
0: my wife wanted to know the answer to these questions. So just I'll ask you three as we go. Quick answer. Uh I think that's a good idea, babe. Uncle Arthur. What sport do you think he would have been into?
1: Oh, he probably would have been, because well, it's based on my dad. And my dad, it's funny you should say that, because my dad was a great sport, was a better sportsman than me. My dad could play tennis, table tennis, cricket, at the social cricket matches we had. for the, He would just knock it out of the park. He was good at every sport, but I think he would have leant towards cricket. So I think. Arthur's a cricket man? Probably. He probably kept wickets, probably. Yeah, I'd say. Um,
0: and he would have, surely he would have been like, a Richie and Bill man, and he'd hear the likes of me now saying oh, that bloke
1: shouldn't be doing cricket. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he would have been. He would have been hard, very opinionated, and but he would have been talking it up big behind the stumps, and you know, <laughs> right. you know. I played. I played. <laughs> a bit, um,
0: bit of a bit of a sledge, uh, you yeah, Uncle Arthur? Yeah.
1: I played in a charity cricket match at the, at the MCG. I should have played as Uncle Arthur. It would have been, <laughs> would have been fun. <laughs> um, you're doing well, by the way. I can't believe you're remembering all this stuff. No, there was well, no piece of paper in front of you. No,
0: there was no piece of paper. Um – Russell Court,
1: around this white brown land. Seen a thing or two. From the great right out back on the beaten track, let's share it now with you All ozzy adventures, time to hit the road.
0: Where does that come from?
1: Wh- 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 who's
0: the because yeah. I, I, as a real young kid, my dad used to watch me wake a show called or watch a show called Harry Butler in the Wild. Yes, and he'd stick his hand down yeah. a snake hole and pull out a snake. Yep. And I love that show. Yeah, uh, it, 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 like where does where does Russell Court come from? Well,
1: when you're lucky enough to be in the working dog world, you you go into that environment, and they are and that's doing the panel. Um, you you hang around the office a bit. So you drop in and have a chat to Rob and Tom and blah, 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 blah. And, 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 and obviously, and rightly so, they're secretive about what they want to do. And, and, but I just dropped into Tom and said, well, what are you doing? And um, he said, oh, I'm just playing around with this idea about, cause there's so many of these outback guys um that around. I'm just playing around with this idea, whether it would make a, would make a television show. I go, oh, that's not a bad idea. Anyway, see ya. And then about, I don't know, a few weeks later, Tom goes, you know that idea I was talking about? Would you like to do it? And I went, and again, I went, oh, hang on. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, anyway, so he, and he said a beautiful thing. He said, we are not, because what scares me is that you go to a network and suddenly you're doing a television show that's not ready to go on air. Right. Um, because it's come from the working dog people. But he said, well, we're going, we're going to go away for a weekend. We're going to take a camera. We're going to film with a couple little ideas and we come back. If you don't like it and we don't like it, nobody ever sees it. And when you hear the nobody ever sees it, you go, okay, well now I can take some risks. The opposite of that is the network has given us a lot of money to develop this show uh, and you're going to be in it. We're going to go away for the weekend. So then immediately you go, you're tightened because you go, Oh, now this is about money and this is about getting it on air and this is about a network and you don't take the risks the, the way we did it was I could take any risk so therefore you just did every joke you could think of um, and that's basically how that character evolved really who comes up with the name Russell Coit Rob Sitch came up with with that we, uh, Russell came up from I'm not sure why but I remember Rob just walked in one and goes, Coit, and that's a really good. That bloke's a bit of a coit, isn't he? <laughs> we all know what coit is. I mean, it's not I don't have to explain anything there. And uh, we went Russell Coit. Okay, that's uh, that's self-explanatory. Was it fun to film? It's fantastic. I loved it. Looked it
0: looked like it was fun to film. Loved. Is uh, it type of show now where you'd love to see the outtakes of it? Yeah. Well,
1: I, I had this thing where it was. It, it started out being a character that there was some sort of narrative, there was a storyline to it. And he was a bit more aggressive and he, and, and we ended up going, nah, we don't like him being, we just like him when he does the stuff and it goes wrong. So we and we would basically go, we're going to, so we'd basically go out and shoot jokes and we wouldn't know how we were going to assemble the show until we finished the whole shoot.
0: Oh, so you shoot a series of jokes and then yeah. piece it together.
1: Yeah, yeah, so you'd go – so basically – and then you'd look at the jokes and you'd go, oh, that's a that's a 10 out of 10, oh, that's a 6 out of 10, and that's a 3 out of 10. Um, huh. The 3 out of 10s would go into the promo up after the break and it'd be a little joke. The big ones would go just before the commercial break and the other ones would come just after the commercial break. But basically we would, we would not put a story in there. We would just go – at the start of the episode – Here's what I'm doing. I've got to get to a muster or a wedding or um, whatever it was by the uh, – so then it was just a line between that point and that point and then you dropped all the jokes in because he'd just pull up in his car and he'd help someone or he'd mess them around. But, uh, yeah, absolute joy. We would go away, shoot all day, uh, go back out to a pub, have dinner, uh, have a laugh, uh, go to bed, get up and do it again the next day. It was – absolute joy to do it was it was never arduous because there had such a solid team around me and when you got santo chalawa working the camera you got tom gleiser there who's who is absolute genius and you and and, and then you throw me in there kind of like as a, as a backup as far as creative goes when it comes together gee it's it's so beautiful but we just we ended up stopping because we we'd written every joke you can possibly write
0: the 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 handshake joke. So We, if, we if put you, that
1: into town ourselves. We, we didn't say, know
0: whether they would get the joke. So this is if you, there's two white guys or a white guy and a black guy. Say so there's two white guys and all of a sudden they show the handshake, tight shot, and there's a white hand and a black yeah, hand. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me like, I don't know why. See, there's the point. You don't know why. But, but it's the, the funniest part of the show. I
1: know. I still wait for the handshake. Yeah. And the, the basis of that joke <laughs> is those type of shows are often put together very quickly. Yeah. And they go, okay, gets out of the car. Walks across, sh- so th- these are all in the computer, and then they they, they type into the computer shaking hands because they could use a handshake from another day yeah. to, to to do that. But the guy didn't look properly, and he put in the black hand right. with the white right hand. So that was put in there to kind of in- entertain ourselves. Right. But it's amazing what people pick up on. Huge joke. I know it's a great huge joke. Huge joke. Yeah. And and huge joke. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Russell Court. What what, what sports are you going to play? Well, that's a good question. He would – oh, there would, be, there would be some rodeo stuff in there, wouldn't there? <laughs> a of, Yeah, there'd wouldn't be a – Wouldn't work out well for him. No, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't <laughs> work out well. The bull would probably – the wrong gate would open. He'd probably <laughs> ride off into the sunset stuck <laughs> on the back of a bull.
0: Back to Glenn shortly. Back in the first series of The Artist Series, episode two, we were lucky enough to feature triathlete-turned-actor Dan McPherson. From a start on Neighbours to the big time in the States, Dan gave a fascinating insight into what life is really like for a working actor.
2: I had a bit of a state of the union with my manager in America when things weren't going as I'd hoped, but it took me three years probably to get my first American job. Uh, maybe longer, three and a half years to get my first American TV, TV gig.
0: And in that period, how many gigs would you try it out for?
2: Um, so he turned around and said, well, look, I'm pulling up, I'm, I'm holding up my end of the bargain. I've sent you for something like 137 auditions over the, over the past three years. Wow. And I was like, okay, yep. And so it was actually Russell Crowe that said the hardest job that he ever had to get was his first job in America and it took him 18 months to get his first.
0: How do you find out that you, and I say this respectfully, how do you find out that in the eyes of the people that are casting it that you failed yet again? How do you, how do you get the word?
2: Mm. Um, so the, the American terminology is it's not moving forward. This one, <laughs> this one they, they loved you. It's not moving forward this time.
0: <laughs> it's not you, it's me.
2: <laughs> it's not you, it's me. That's we'll
0: what it call
2: sounds you. like. So okay. I had a lot of this one isn't moving forward. Okay, right. cool. And that's, that's the highs and lows and that's what some people thrive on and I'm thankfully one of those people and some people can't stand and that's why they pack up and leave LA.
0: That is Daniel McPherson on Episode 2 of the original Howie Games Artist Series, which you can find in the feedback from September 2021. Let's get back to Glenn. Kath and Kim comes along and Kel... And is that the like we talked about Uncle Arthur and and Russell Court, but but is that then as big as it gets when you start making movies from a from a from a show?
1: Well, it was interesting. Um, I read the the script. Um, I the girls had started those characters on a show called something stupid, I think. So the the, the germ of Kathy Kim and Sharon was already there. Then they came to me and said. I had this character that I was doing with Michael Veach that was a semblance of, of Kel. Um, would you mind being Cat's boyfriend? So we did a couple of sketches.
0: Kimmy, hi, please come in. Oh, hi, Nev. Come
2: in.
1: Okay, these are for you.
2: Oh, explosions, lovely.
1: Lovely flowers for a lovely lady. <laughs> on the show, on the show, right? Yeah. So it was a sketch character. I think if right. you, you go back, you'll see a lot of the girls. On my, you probably only see me once or twice. On the TV show, if you can find it somewhere, um, and uh, then they said we're thinking about doing this as a TV show, and they sent me the script. I read the script, and I went, "This is so good." It's oh, jo- yeah, you knew immediately.
0: You two talk amongst yourselves. So, Cat didn't tell me when's the baby due. You're pregnant. Oh
1: yeah, I knew. From from why? what? What makes you it's look just, at a piece of paper um, and think this is going to work? It was well-structured, great premise, and great jokes. And the, the undercurrent, it, it just bubbled away so well. So when you read it, like, do you, do you, before it comes to life, do, do you read it and laugh? Yeah. Right. So yeah. you're actually laughing at it Well, there. in fairness, the, the characters already existed. Okay. Because, so therefore yep. you did have, if you, so if you read something cold, right, like so, you, these characters don't exist, but the, this is what they, we think they are. So you can it, see it in your head already. You can see it in your head already. But the girls went through, without getting into the details, they went through a really rough time originally. And I, I think I can talk about the fact that that it, they took it to the ABC and the ABC uh, ummed and ahed about it and kind of put it to the side. And... The drama department, the ABC, found it and said, this is really good, we'll make it. So the original series was mm. made by the drama department, the ABC. Okay. I think I'm right in saying that. And the comedy department didn't have anything to do with it. Um, and then, of course, how many series did with the ABC? Maybe three? Is it three we did there? Um, so the girls really, they really struggled to, to have the original script mm. uh, and, and the if you ever talk to the girls, and I recommend that you do, they're a wonderful chat. Um, they would probably give you the, the better story in that. But I remember saying to them, you have a brilliant script, hold your line on it, don't compromise it. Because what can happen is that sometimes when a third party comes in, whether it's a production company or a, or a network, is they try to, for want of a better word, dumb it down. And they will ask you to do things like other shows that they've seen that are successful. We went and made the show. And we, the way you make the show is you shoot for seven weeks, but you shoot, you you know, where well, you shoot randomly. In other words, so on all
0: that, so not necessarily one episode. You might do no, episode don't. eight, and then no, see yeah. for on day one three. you be,
1: might be shooting something from episode seven. Oh, and, that and, takes and,
0: some planning by the people
1: planning it all. But the, the, it's location based, so therefore, if you're at the house, okay, you want to be at the house, and you're going to shoot oh, all the scenes. all the kitchen scene, boom, and then you're going to do all the backyard stuff, and you're going to do the the okay. found lake stuff, and then, so. Um, so you don't, you, 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 as Shane Warren would say, you do your best and you hope it's okay. So the whole series was finished by the time it was ready to go to air. So you've, you've started something, cooking a dish. You just hope all the ingredients are in there because when it comes to be tasted, you go, we may have got it wrong. I brought it home and showed it to my partner and she watched the first episode and I sort of watched out of the corner of my eye to see if she was laughing. She didn't laugh. And I went, and I remember going, and it was really good. I remember going, you know what? It's okay because nothing will change the joy that we had in doing that show because we gave it our best shot and I love doing it. We all love doing it. So you've written it off. Yeah. Right. This is all in that little window when your yeah. mind runs up yeah. between the first, after the first episode. I went, okay, that's okay. We gave it a best shot. She then goes, can I watch another one? We ended up watching the whole th- the series. We binged it. And lo- loved, it. she loved it. But that initial thing when you watched, she was watching, she was watching and learning, and then once once she just loved it. So I had a pretty good, a pretty good feeling about it going in. But you do, you still, you never know. You never know. You sh- did you couldn't have envisioned it became what it did? No, like. no, absolutely. No, no, you thought it would. You just wanted to, you know, to bring a plate to the party and be okay, and you know, no one gets hurt.
0: But so we, yeah, we we talked about. Criticism, you know, I've mentioned, as I said, right at the start, like three iconic characters that have given a wide cross-section of the community so much joy and so much happiness in a world where there's not a great deal of that floating around for a lot of people. When people come up to you, like I said, I can remember sitting around and I had to watch Uncle Arthur or people come up and say about Kath and Kim or Russell Court, how does it make you feel that you've been in a position with the skill and the talent and the surrounds to make people genuinely laugh and feel good about what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, it's um, that must be a tremendous. Privilege. It's a beautiful feeling,
1: it, and it varies from. It, I think there's a there's a bit of a protection mechanism with me that I probably overplay my hand a little bit because of sensitivity. You sometimes there's a, there's some level of denial that goes on there a little bit because you don't. I don't know. I there's f- fear that I don't want to open up too much because I might get hurt or they so there's a line between that and then hearing how you actually do really touch people. I remember a couple of occasions where um i there was a kid who he was a, a young boy he was in a wheelchair and he wasn't well and they said to me um he's a huge fan of Russell Coit mm. um can you come and meet him. And they said, what we're going to do, we're going to take you to the Werribee, that Werribee, zoo. Werribee zoo. And um, we're just going to get you to hide a bit further up the track and get you to just jump out when he comes down in his wheelchair. And I, I thought, oh, that's a lovely thing to do. I jump out and here is this gorgeous kid who is going through, obviously a really tough time. And to see the tears in his eyes, i really struggled to keep it together because... And you're in character. I was in character. And they took a photograph of it. And I didn't want them to take a photograph of it, but I, because I, I don't want to look like I'm trying to gain publicity. For the, took a photograph of it. And, and it was the second page of um, Herald Sun. People at saying, oh God, you made me cry when you were with that boy. And I go, I'm so glad that that energy came across. I'd love to know what happened with that boy. But um, that was, <laughs> it's so, such an honour to bring joy to someone like that who is, who is going through an incredible journey. Uh, I hope he ended up okay. Uh, I don't know what happened. And unfortunately you just, you can't always follow these things through. And then like just the other day, a bloke came around to, a bloke came round to my house to fix up my windscreen. And we're chatting away and we're standing, cause you know, they can fix them in the street now. They just yeah. come there with a windscreen and they blah, 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 blah. And had a crack in it. And he goes, and we're chatting away and they want me to get a cup of coffee. you know, And, he, and he's just talking normal bloke. And he goes, Um, he finished everything. Great job. He goes, just before I go, uh, I got to tell you, um, he was probably in his mid thirties. He goes, I had a stroke last year. And uh, the only thing that really got me through that period was number one, watching you and you bring happiness to my life. And two, uh, because I had some, um, cerebral, um, damage if you want, um, the surgeon said, you've got to watch something, remember it, and come into the – and see me and repeat back what you saw. And he said, I used to watch Russell Coit, and I'd go into to see the doctor and I would repeat. <laughs> Can you imagine that repeated? <laughs> uh, and then what happened was Russell Coit leant forward and a rabbit trap got caught on his penis. I remember. <laughs> it wasn't it? his penis. <laughs> and I'm going – so I'm going, well – and. I said, mate, give me a hug. That That's is a tremendous so, gift, isn't it? It's a, and, and to, to bring joy like that. And to, and I I must admit, I had a bit of it through COVID too, where people go, you know what, I had some time and I re-watched that show or Russell Coyd or Kath and Kim and I just want to thank you. And you just go, oh, my God. So I'm getting better at staying in the moment because mm. I get embarrassed. I'm getting better at staying in the moment and going, that is a beautiful thing. And I make sure I make eye contact and I acknowledge the moment. And cause you just don't want to flip off that stuff, but I also don't want to make a big deal out of it because some people like to get photographs. So I, I get a little bit embarrassed. I, I do it quickly, but I make sure that it's okay and it's done. And sometimes you put your arm around people and you can feel them shaking cause yeah. they're so excited or nervous to have, to have met you. And you don't want to take that stuff too seriously, but I think, I think your intent with that question is what's it like? It's, it's so joyous and so beautiful, and I consider myself immensely uh, lucky, and I don't take it for granted at all. It's
0: mm. a wonderful, a yeah. wonderful answer. Yeah. Kel, the butcher, what what sport do you he play?
1: Oh, Kel's a bit of a um, what do they call it? Um, not a, what is it? Modern age man. He's yeah. a yeah new age, new age snag. Yeah, yeah a bit of a snag. Yeah, a sensitive new age guy. Pardon. the I'm pardon. thinking that he's. Mm, I'm seeing him shuttlecock. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not, that that. Not that there's no. anything wrong with it.
1: Not that there's anything wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. No. But I could see him in his in his little outfit going on a, on a Thursday night to play shuttlecock and being quite good at it. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, shuttlecock. I mean, okay. I've never thought about that. So there, that's an honest answer. Well, this, the, the the question
0: from my wife. I've got two yeah. more questions. First will come from my phone. I mentioned earlier on I have two kids, Glenn, a 12-year-old daughter called Sky and yep. a 10-year-old son called Mac. Um, and I'm privileged that you listen to the show so you know where I'm going here. Um, It was my daughter that was most connected to your story. Uh, So her name is Skye, but her nickname is The Pickle. So are you ready to take a question? Yes. Hey, Glenn. Pickle here. I've watched a couple of episodes of Kath and Kim, and I really like it. I think it's super funny. Anyways, I'm quite interested in drama, and I think I'm going to be in the Year 8 production next year. So what I want to know is how do you learn your lines and what are your techniques?
1: Um, that's a very good question because I'm not very good at learning my lines. You're not? No. And it's something I've always struggled with. My only trick that I have is that I make sure I understand the intent of the line. So therefore, the words will sit naturally on top of that. If you just try and learn them as words, then it's a recipe for, for, for getting them because it's just a collection of words. But if you know the intent and the subtext of what the line is, um, it makes it a little bit easier, which means that when I was doing Russell Coit and not so much with Kath and Kim, but Russell Coyt, I would alter the dialogue purely because I was trying to, I couldn't, it was a bit hard to do something physical and do the right dialogue at the same time. And Tom would say to me, "You just change the dialogue. And I go, he goes, I understand, but did you realise? And you, so it was somewhere in between. With bigger shows, with shows like Kath and Kim, Sometimes, if a scene wasn't working, you'd you'd go, "What's wrong?" And you'd realize that one word would be out. That's It'd be it. Would be one word, and you go, oh, "I'm not saying that word right there." And it would, just, and that's what good writing is. With sketch comedy, the writing is a little bit can be a bit very quick, so therefore you can play around with it a bit. But when you're doing quality dialogue, it's important that you do know your lines so well. But it comes back to believing in what you're doing. So therefore. You let the line, and then you just sit into it. You sit into your lines, and 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 you. I'm getting pretty deep here, but you you, you dance across the dialogue. Hopefully, sounds a bit wanky. I no, know, I understand but yeah, where you're coming yeah, from, though, especially yeah. Especially
0: when it has to be a comedic line. Um, we, we always finish this show with the same question. Um, that was my daughter. We are privileged that a lot of kids listen to this show with their families, and I was pumped that a lot listened to the artist series as well. Yep. Um, so more creative bent, you've achieved tremendous success. I mentioned three iconic characters, and there's so much uh, other work you've done. If you wanted to give some advice to any of the young minds out there that wanted to achieve success in their field, not necessarily in your field, but in yep. their field, the thing they're passionate about, what would you say to them, Glenn?
1: I would say just to do as much as you can within that world. I mean, what? Um, uh, just I mean I know that with, with with what I did, I just started to perform where I could. Nowadays, you can pick up a phone and make something. Mm. You can join a local group, but I my advice is get with like-minded people who are, uh, uh, who are on the same page with you and and and, and celebrate the area that you're in, so whatever that is. As soon as you get with a tri- you get your tribe, you find your people. I know I we went from secondary school through to drama school, and when we got up with people who love drama, I felt like these are my people. And whether that's sport or whether that's art, whether that's computing or whatever it is, to get with people who share your passion is really, really important and to do as much as you possibly can and and um, yeah, and take some risks. Because I, I remember early on, I followed some people, I worked with some people, I went, I'm actually seeing some problems in what they're about to do, but I wouldn't know because I'm not as experienced as them. And then they would m- make the piece and that idea, that thing that I thought thaw- saw was a fault, I was spot on. So I learned to, to listen to that little voice in my head, listen to my instincts, not to become arrogant, but to go, okay, I do have a, um, an opinion here and I do have insight to it. Oh, I'll, I'll I'll pick my time, mm-hmm. but I will never deny that voice.
0: Hmm. Um, thank you for getting me through a podcast
1: without notes. Well, am I well, – um, I think is nailed is, it. Is, is, it is this the first one that you've me. done without notes?
0: Completely without notes, yes.
1: Well, you, you've gone into an area that you – you know, because you're a sport. Yep. And um, uh, I'm excited for you because I – years ago, I said to someone, I said, this is way before podcast, way before anything – And they do it a bit on um, uh, the front bar. I said, because I caught a plane to a golf tournament and I sat down with DiPieto Minico, Dipper, a couple of other people. And this is back in the day when the football show was big and it was big and it was um, outrageous. But the stories we told on the aeroplane with the story sort of stories you tell on this podcast, which is and they do it a bit on the front bar, where it's it's the real stories of what was it like the day that you did that? Mm. And I'd tell you what, you you're not you're not walking away from that story. I remember D.P.A. Domenico, Robert D.P.A. Domenico yeah, Told me the story about when he when he when he when he nearly died on the on the When well, he punched in his lung in the nine eighty nine grand Yes. Final. And they would go. Plane is boarding. I'm going, just hang on. Just hold the <laughs> hold the plane. This is a. <laughs> so I want to get the end of this story, you know. And um, when those guys, when those guys who are at the front line, when those guys who have been there and done that, done the toil, done it. And and I, I don't want to get too carried away, but but you do it. it Exceptionally well. Thank you. And I encourage you to take this wherever it goes naturally and to protect the core of what you're doing because that's really important. Because when other people get involved, you can sit in this room and you're completely in control. When other people can, and and I'm sort of thinking about what you and Shane were talking about. I am very excited for wherever this wants to go, but you're very good at what you do. Thank you. Well, from
0: here on we'll Congratulations. Try and that notes, Thanks yeah. for joining me, Artist Series, mate. It's been a thrill especially to really have special uncle arthur who was a massive part of my childhood so to sit here
1: and oh how are you doing a marvelous job there uh young howie well, i've got a couple of notes for you, you can improve on a couple of areas but uh anyway i used to do all a little bit of comedy myself but uh don't worry about that oh dear is there a toilet round here thank, oh, dear. You, thank you i wanted to ask you to do that i didn't have the
0: balls to ask you to do that oh, no. so you finished it perfectly thanks mate <laughs> thanks well mate. Done. see ya How good. Glenn doing Uncle Arthur at the end, that is cherry on top stuff for me. I'm still laughing when I hear that back. What a guru. Thanks to Glenn for being such a great chap and making my note-free attempt pretty cruisy. What a gun he is. Hopefully you all enjoyed the episode as well. Got a laugh and a bit of an insight in some of the characters you have loved over the years. Until next Tuesday on the Artist Series with the guru, Denya. peace and love.